It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Our main website, Clark.com. When you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, you want to harm your relationship? You want to harm your marriage? I got something that can pretty much be guaranteed to foul things up that I'll share with you. And later, the home selling season is underway in much of the country. And if you are a seller, there are particular things I want you to look at doing to your home to improve your ability to sell it, how quickly it will sell, and the price you'll get for it. So I want to talk right now about something that I found very upsetting. It was the cover story in Barron's Magazine. And it was about how much today parents are handling money differently with their children than parents have through um, American history and the modern era. Today, parents overwhelmingly are funding, at least in part, the lives of their adult children. And it is not at all unusual. In fact, it is common, and it is the average, that parents are spending more than $2 on their adult children for every dollar they're saving for retirement. So what's happening is after kids have normally flown away from the nest, that parents are continuing to subsidize their adult children's lives in many, many ways. And I'll give you four very common ones that parents are doing. They're paying overwhelmingly Parents are paying for their adult children's cell phone bills. And that one came about because of the family plan thing that the cell phone carriers came up with last decade to try to make it more difficult for people to switch carriers, that you got all these people on your plan and it keeps you more tied to a company. So generally the adult kids are not reimbursing their parents for the cost of their cell phone. It may seem small, but for a typical plan, it may be 500 bucks a year of after-tax income coming out of a parent's hands that a parent may not be able to afford. So if you are going to be on that plan, remember, pay your parents back for what they're paying for you. Car payments, second most common thing. Groceries, a lot of adult children the parents are buying their groceries. And health insurance now has become very common up to somebody's 26th birthday. And that's for a good reason, because now so many 20-somethings never had health coverage. Now they do because under the law, they can be covered under their parents' plan until they're 26, but they're not reimbursing their parents for it. So every one of these dollars going out of a parent's hands is a dollar that can't be put aside for a parent's retirement. I'm not even getting into things like the money that a parent is 
owing for having borrowed money for a kid's college education. And that can be a train wreck. So what's happened is that now overwhelmingly people are hitting retirement age still owing a lot of debt. So roughly three quarters of people at retirement age up to age 75 are still owing significant debt. And almost half have mortgage debt. So if you think back historically, the idea was to be debt-free or close to it at the time that you would bag work. So parents now, it shifted because our culture used to be more one where the adult children of an aging parent were providing support to the parent. Now it's completely flipped upside down and today parents feel duty-bound. It is considered to be a societal standard, an obligation that you have as a parent that you provide for your children well into adulthood. So this is how I'd say you should think about this. If you are on track to be debt-free at retirement age, if you are on track to have saved decent amounts of money so that you can have a retirement without fear, and then beyond that, you want to help adult children, you do so. But otherwise, you're creating an enormous financial risk for yourself. And you may find that you live out old age and poverty. I just want to paint it that starkly. And I want to make it clear to you if you are an adult child of a parent who is helping you financially, I like that term, helping you financially, it's a common way it's said, and you know your parent's situation, I want you to have a guilt trip walk with yourself. And I hope that guilt trip will get you to think this through and have your parents not subsidize you because it's just not fair to them. They're going to reach an age where they should just be dialing back, pedaling back, doing what they love and enjoy, and instead they're there subsidizing you. And I know one thing you should think about. A lot of times parents continue to have you on the dole because it's a psychological method of controlling you. It's a good declaration of independence as an adult child if you're not dependent on an allowance from your parents of some kind. Just a series of thoughts for you to digest. Clint is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Clint. How are you doing? Doing great, Clark. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I've been a big fan and a longtime listener. Well, and I'm excited that you are a traveler. You love traveling. Where's your favorite place in the world you've ever been? Oh, it's always hard to pick favorites, but uh, Hawaii's definitely up there on the list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hard to be Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. What's but, your favorite uh, Hawaiian island? Um, I haven't been to Kauai yet. I've heard it's really good, but of the ones I've been to, uh, Maui's been my favorite. 
Well, my favorite's the Big Island, the Kona Coast. That would be my second one. Um, I really enjoyed the volcano there and some of the black sand beaches and also the green sand beach, if you haven't been to that one there. I've not been to that one. And uh, uh, by the way, get to to Kauai, because Kauai is fantastic. So um, uh, what is it that you're doing now? Where are you headed in the world that I can help you with? Well, sure. So um, we're heading, my family and I are heading to uh, Germany this summer for a trip. And um, we we haven't done a lot of traveling in Europe, but we did about a year and a half ago, we went over there. And my cell phone carrier gives us uh, free 3G data speeds while we're in Europe. Um, But the last time we went there, it was just dreadfully slow. And couldn't do a lot of the things that needed to do to to be efficient while traveling on my phone. So are you Sprint or T-Mobile? Because those are the two that give you free data outside the country. uh, T-Mobile. All right. So T-Mobile has two plans for travel overseas. They have T-Mobile One and T-Mobile One Plus. Now, One Plus costs, if I remember right, $15 more a month as a surcharge over what you pay with the included uh, unlimited data overseas and unlimited texting overseas, but you get a much faster data experience. Okay. But if you take only like one international trip a year and you just want to have good data for that one trip, it would be much smarter for you to buy a SIM card when you get to Germany Generally, you'll pay for uh, each gig of data, you'll pay somewhere around 10 euro to 15 euro, like 11 to 16 dollars. Okay. And then you only pay as you go for the data you need. And then you've got your mapping, you've got the ability to uh, search things on your phone, do all the things you'd normally do with data. And you could still have your, if you have an old phone, you could just put that SIM card in it. And then you'd still have your T-Mobile when the speed was not as much an issue and for your texting. Now, is the $15, uh, is that, because we have a family plan, would that just be per phone? or is Per that phone, phone per month, which okay. is why so I only recommend that for people who travel a lot. Okay. So it, it's really, um, I have the T-Mobile One Plus and I'm grandfathered in when it was $5 a month. And what they do is if you add it to everybody on your plan, you pay $10 a month now on a family plan. Otherwise, for an individual, it's the 15 a month. But remember, you're paying that all year long, even though you're only using it a couple of weeks when you're overseas, which is and, why I like the idea of just buying a local SIM. And it's not a service you can just turn on one month and then turn it back to the the cheaper version once you get back, or is it you got to lock in? I, I for think T Mobile uh, is prepared for people that game the system. You, I would just ask them that question straight out. <laughs> okay, and see Definitely. if if they object to that. If they don't object to it, yeah, then just turn it on for when you're the month you're going to be in Germany. Okay, but the regular, you're right. The regular w- one service is so pokey slow that um, it's almost useless. And if you're doing mapping, if you, uh, if you particularly have an Android, it's ultra easy to download your maps in advance on the SD card. You can insert 
or micro SD you can insert into your phone and have those maps stored and be able to use them without having to access data. And you can load pretty much all of Germany on there and have access to high-speed use of your maps with no hit of data at all. Tyler's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Tyler. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. I'm like such a huge fan. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. Yes. So no. you are a teacher, and you heard me uh, trash talk 403B plans. I did. I did. And I've been wondering for such a long time, because I've, I've looked at your website, and you've, you've talked about how 403Bs are just are not good retirement plans for us. And I've, and I've been maxing out my Roth IRA. I had my husband open a Roth IRA. We've been maxing that out. Um, we're contributing to my husband's 401k. But of course, my question is, is what can I do for myself? Where else can I put my money after I've maxed out my Roth IRA? So are you offered any match on your 403B? No, I don't have any match. And unfortunately, I work in Texas, so we also don't pay into Social Security. So I don't have that. you need to save extra money. So do you have access in your um, 403B plan to a plan sold by TIA, T-I-A-A? I've looked for that, and no, I do not. Okay, so the odds are... Every plan offered to you is garbage. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, this is a problem for teachers all over the country. So the alternative is the next best thing for you to do is for you to set up an investment account with one of the low-cost companies, okay, Vanguard, Schwab, or Fidelity, and you put money in it in an index fund, like a total stock market index fund. Okay. They cost almost nothing in management fees, no commission, certainly, And uh, with Fidelity, they have the zero funds where you can put money into index funds with no commission and no management fees. And the tax treatment on those is very, very favorable year to year and also great when you choose to sell them. And you don't have to wait for normal retirement rules. So it's not as good as your Roth. It's not as good as your husband's 401k. But it would be the next best thing for you to do. Okay. And is there a maximum that I Whatever amount of money you can come up with. Okay. Okay. Because it's an investment account. You can put in unlimited sums. Okay. Perfect. Which would be a great problem to have, right? I know. I know. So I'm really Uh, sorry. It bothers me so much that we cheat teachers in this country like we do on retirement accounts. And it was a give me from the Congress to the nation's insurance industry where it was made open season. It's hunting season for a teacher's wallet every day of the year from the insurance industry ripping you off in these crummy, terrible, rotten, awful 403B plans. Today's Clark Rageous moment is about you and me, how we live our lives when we have a partner a serious boyfriend or girlfriend, or we have a fiancé, or we're married. We can break down the trust of our relationship so quickly by keeping secrets, not of the kind about something like maybe you did personally in your life or you're doing personally in your life or whatever. No, it's about money. Do you know that it's very common according to a creditcards.com survey, that people are keeping secret accounts, roughly one in five people 
have a secret account that they don't tell their partner, spouse, whatever about. This is toxic for a relationship. What's funny is you got all these people keeping secret accounts, having credit cards they haven't told their partner about, savings accounts, whatever. But more than half of people say that it's as bad as actually physically cheating on a partner. So the big thing with that is you're undermining trust. And trust is a coin, a currency in a relationship. The more you trust each other, the healthier that relationship is. The less you trust each other, the more you eat at your relationship. No secret accounts, please. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. When you got a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. And we've got so many ways to get answers to your questions. We offer free advice where you can talk with a member of our team. Something we've been doing for now, uh, gosh, nearly 27 years. We've been providing free advice where you can talk with a member of our team. You can see the hours and the phone number to call in for free off-the-air advice on Clark.com. We also have uh, questions that Joel asks for you, which are known as Ask Clarks. And you can ask me a question, too. There's a box you check when you go to Clark.com slash ask for that. So we are in the annual spring selling season for homes. And people have gotten kind of lazy getting their homes ready for sale in recent years because there was a big imbalance where there were far fewer sellers than there were buyers. But that changed gradually over about the last 14 months. And now in many communities in the country, the equilibrium has shifted. And now it is a buyer's market, not a seller's market. So sellers are having to reacquaint themselves with what you've got to do if you want to get your home sold. And Zillow has put together what are the things that pay off the best when you are getting a home ready for sale, and they don't require rocket science because I was looking through the Zillow list, and for the most part, these trend with what's been true for uh, decades, maybe a couple of generations. What are the things you do to make your house easier to sell? And number one, as it's been as far back as I can recall, it is what your house looks like from the curb. Is the landscaping something that makes the house pop? And I don't want you to undertake a massive landscaping project, but I want you to make it look attractive from the street. And things that you live with, you don't want to ignore. Give you an example. Our front door gets a great deal of sun. It's almost a southern exposure. And so our door is a stained door, and one side of it that gets a great deal of sun has really bleached out. If we were selling our home, let me tell you, we would get that door freshly stained, and it would look great. So anything outside that somebody's seeing as they approach, from the curb, whatever, 
you want it looking good. Anything that uh, paint chipping on the outside, uh, gutters that look decrepit, you want to get those things addressed because that first impression matters so much. Uh, A lot of people preparing to sell a home will get involved in a major redo of the bathroom and the kitchen. I don't advise that. Um, If you need to do minor things that will make the bathroom look really good, do so. If you have a leaky toilet, the inspector is going to find that anyway. Replace that toilet. Um, Just make things look fresh as you can. Get junk out of your house. Declutter. Gosh, a lot of this is not in the Zillow thing. So this is Clark speaking now. So with different phases of the home, you can't, like, let's say you have an older home and the kitchen is small. To sell the home, you don't bust out walls and put in a whole new kitchen and create a great room kind of effect because who knows if your taste is going to be any good. I still remember guy I know was trying to sell his home and did a mate he was getting married and he was moving elsewhere and he had an agent tell him his kitchen just wasn't going to work people weren't going to buy his house because of his kitchen so he does this major redo of his kitchen loses eight months of having his home on the market puts his home on the market people don't like the kitchen he just spent all those months and money putting in the first thing the buyer did when he eventually sold the place They ripped out that entire kitchen he had just put in. So think about the things where you can make a difference. Something costs you like nothing. Declutter your home. Get all the junk. I started to use a semi-bad word. Get all that stuff out of your closets because somebody doesn't want to see that there's no closet space because you've got clutter everywhere. Matt's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Matt, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Clark? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. So, Matt, you would have been very disappointed in me if a bad word had slipped out of my mouth, wouldn't you? I would have. You're right. Yeah. So I, I self-censored myself. I wouldn't have hung up on you, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my wife and I are expecting our first child, and we'd like to know what are the best op- options for saving money towards... Her, edu- her college education. We're, we're residents of Virginia, so we're considering a Virginia 529 because it has certain benefits like tax-free growth, and we can deduct up to $4,000 in contributions from our Virginia state income tax. Uh, but with the possibility that our daughter, for one reason or another, does not attend college, and my wife and I don't transfer that account you know, to each other or another family member, we would be penalized for making withdrawals on that account. Yeah, it's so, pretty uh, ugly. The 529 plans are so favorable for a kid who goes to college, but it's yeah. terrible when a kid doesn't go to college because instead of being tax-free, it's taxable. And then on top of it, there's the 10% penalty. So yeah. it's it's really uh, not to be used when there's any chance that there's not going to be an eligible family member going to college. But I wanted to say yeah. something... 
Virginia's plan, you know, is the largest 529 plan in the country, and I don't even like it. Um, it has, you know, it, it's a commission plan that's very heavily pushed on people by stockbrokers around the country, and it's, it is much more expensive overall to have your money in than a lot of other plans. So what I recommend to people in Virginia, if you did decide to do the 529, is you put in only up to the amount that you would get the state tax benefit. Yes. And if you did want to save more money in a year, that you use one of the ultra-low-cost commission-free plans in the country. And would that be the ultra-low-cost commission-free plan? Those are other state... Yeah, so 529 plans are sponsored by states, but you can put your money generally in any state plan. And a number of the state plans allow you to put money, states allow you to put money in any state plan and still get the state tax deduction or credit, depending on what a state offers. And um, what about a a Roth IRA? Can you use a Roth IRA towards qualified education expenses, and would you recommend that? All right, what a great question. So... I like for you to fully fund a Roth before you put in 529 money. And the reason is you eliminate the issue you raised with your uh, child not going to college or whatever the circumstance would be. You've got the money in the Roth account. And if the money ends up being built in there over these next 18 years and grows all that time and then continues to grow because it's not needed for college, fantastic but if it is needed for college there's a thing with with Ross with Ross you're able to withdraw your contributions not whatever the money earns but the contributions you put in yes tax okay. and penalty free for any purpose so yep. your first money saved for college would normally go into a Roth IRA Um, the only reason that would not be accurate or true is the issue you raised with the state tax benefit for putting money into the 529. Right. So I like the strategy of you putting money into the Roth with one of the low-cost companies, and maybe if you want, put in enough money that you get the full tax deduction for contributing to the 529 and maybe calling it a day between what you put in the Roth and what you put in to get the tax savings in the 529. Knowing the risk one day is that you might have to pay the tax and the penalty. Right. Okay. So that, you know, life's not certain. You know, you don't have certainty. So you make the best decisions you can with the overall odds. And by the way, I didn't congratulate you on the upcoming birth of your child. Well, thank you very much. We're excited about it. Well, that's great news. And you have the ability to open the 529 even before your child's born by naming yourself as the beneficiary, the owner and the beneficiary. And then later, once your child is born, changing the beneficiary designation to your child if you're chomping at the bit to get going on saving for college. Ted is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ted. Hello, Clark. Good to talk with you. Well, great to have you here. You got a letter out of out of just nowhere telling you that there was money hanging out there for you. Yeah, a company uh, sent my wife and I both a letter saying that they 
that there was unclaimed money that was left uh, supposedly from a cruise deposit with a cruise line, which we did use in 2010. And that uh, the money was available to me. Otherwise, if I didn't hear from, they didn't hear from me by the end of next month, it would be sent to the state of Texas as unclaimed property. And there was no fee attached with it. It simply was to sign this document and send it back to them and Supposedly, they were going to get us the money. I don't. It just seemed a little bit. I don't see the downside to it, but it just seemed a little bit unreasonable to me. It, it sounds pretty bizarre, and I yeah. have never heard of this ever. It, it, yeah. Now, are they asking for your checking account transit numbers to deposit the money no, into? Nope. 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 No, not with the initial letter. That's what I'm wondering. Once I send them something back, then they may be asking me something, but. The initial letter, they just say, sign it and send it back to them. And do they claim to be doing this on behalf of the cruise line? Yes, it does. Yes. Have you called the cruise line to ask if there's any such thing as this? No, I have not. That's what I would do. And you'll have, you just can't call the cruise line reservations because they won't know anything about it. But if you look up the cruise line headquarters and, uh, Many of them are based in Miami, so it's not hard to find the cruise line headquarters. You call their toll number, and I would ask for the the Office of the Legal Counsel. Okay. And that's how you'd find out if this is a normal course of business for them. Yeah. The letter they send is on the company's letterhead, and it also has an insignia of the cruise line on it, trying to make it look official, if be it not. Yes. I mean, I guess this is possible, but it it would be new for me and unique. And that's why I would go to the source and see if there's any such thing going on. I mean, how much could the deposit be anyway? $50 a person or something? hundred bucks a person. hundred bucks a person. So uh, you could wait till the money is turned over to the state of Texas. You must be a resident of the state of Texas. Yeah, correct. And Mm -hmm. the state has a pretty easy procedure to get money that you're owed if money yeah. is turned over to the state. Oh, there you go. So and you can are. see, and there's a there's a database that most states participate in called missingmoney.com that's completely free to use. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you'd be able to see if any money's hanging out there for you. Yeah. And it's a really easy process to get your money. In they reference states. that part of this is done because of the Sorbane-Oxley compliance requirements or something that the company has to make this knowledge to the individuals that they owe the money to or something like that. I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds really out there even more. So I would, if you want to make the call, I'd call the cruise line and see what you can find out that way before I'd ever respond to this letter. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask, and then producer Joel will ask your question for you. Who's up? Clark Jack's up. He says, you mentioned a specific antivirus program on your show. Can you tell me what it is and how to download it and use it? I use a Mac. So not all of them work for Macs, the free antivirus protections and spyware protections but two of the bigs do and they both have a free version 
Avast, A-V-A-S-T, and A-V-G. And they both have the, the freemium business model with versions you can download for free if you go to either of their websites. And if I didn't spell Avast, A-V-A-S-T, I did do that, didn't I? And A-V-G. So you download whichever one looks best to you, and all along the way they'll keep telling you that you should upgrade to this premium one, but go ahead and use the free one and you should be fine and happy. All right, Clark. Abraham and Jeannie had similar questions, so I'll read it for both of them. Uh, They say, Clark, you said not to give your social security number to a medical facility. What do I do if a facility refuses to treat me based on that? On what basis? There There is no legitimate business need for a provider of medical care to ask for your social security number. In addition, the provider of medical care is creating liability for themselves. Because remember, almost half of all data breaches happen in medical facilities most years. So it is unconscionable and inexcusable and unacceptable for any medical facility, medical provider, lab, or whatever to require as a condition of providing service to you your social security number. This has been a sore spot with me for a good while because we had a Clark Stinks from a medical provider who acknowledged that the reason that the provider wanted your social security number is that if there's an unpaid balance, they want an easy way to turn you over to a collection agency. And truth be told, that's why medical providers want your social security number all right and kono wrote in he said the tires from membership clubs like costco are they new i've been told by my neighborhood mechanic that they get old tires for sale and that's why they're able to sell them for such a low price wow okay i gotta do this i've never gotten to do that in all the years of ask clark's that is a big pile of manure in fact warehouse clubs turn over their inventory quicker than anybody else because they're so high volume. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at clark.com and clarkdeals.com.